Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. You're listening to Rabot & Co. here on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Now, here's Louis Rabot. All right, welcome in. Year zero here on Rabot & Co. ESPN 680, 105.7. Alongside Zach Cantrell, my name is Louis Rabot at Radio Louis on Twitter. You can find the station at ESPN 680. And, of course, Zach is at your boy ZC, uh, which he tells me is a handle from his childhood, but he will not change now that he is a developed person. Uh, I don't know how developed he is, Zach. Yeah, there's Good a morning. lot of questions about that. <laughs> I finished my year zero, by the way. I've been here technically for a year. I'm just going to tell everybody. Well, I, this is year one. Year, year one. That's right. I agree. You, now it's year you, one. Uh, yeah. No, you were left such a mess here Yeah. Uh, by, a, by Jack Grossman I inherited and, and Patty such a, Ice and all those bums. Yeah, such a disaster. Just a disaster. I, I, had, to, I had to get everything Th- back Those are two-star producers. Yeah. We brought you in as a high four-star. That's right. It, it is what it is. Lots of experience. How about that? <laughs> We'll have Kevin Gilroy at 1040. Believe it or not, they're running horses somewhere very far south of here in New Orleans is where that is. Uh, we'll talk about the Lecompte take Derby Prep, and of course the Silver Bullet Day Stakes uh, is at Oaks Prep. We'll get into those at 1040. Zach and I will take a huge dive into the NFL games for this weekend. Uh, I love having Zach on this show. It really changes the, the football talking dynamics. So we'll do a fair amount of that in the 11 o'clock hour. I wanted to tell everyone um, ahead of uh, of Kevin being on, at Fairgrounds, cool opportunity. They're they're seeding quarter million bucks in the uh, late pick five uh, tomorrow. So just a, a cool opportunity to uh, to hit that kind of bet. I got an eighteen dollar ticket. I'll put up at first gen tomorrow uh, for a base ticket that you can build upon. Uh, should be a lot of fun tomorrow out there. But uh, got to open with uh, with the thing that's making the rounds of what people are hearing, and that is uh, how how to evaluate Kenny Payne, right? And so the uh, Rick Bozich is 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 in one camp and there are people in other camps and and I've uh Zach at least tried to not be in a camp. Um you know to just watch these games just just pay attention, follow the program's general direction and figure out where it's going. And of course, I'm tinged by previous experience with other schools, other programs, uh Louisville basketball itself having lived here, uh watching an empty stadium in a town where I live that I need to not be an empty stadium if we're going to have a vibrant downtown, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But Bozich last night makes the case, after we talked about C.L. Brown yesterday, I didn't mention his name, but it was C.L. Brown I was talking about, about where we are in the evaluation process for a guy like Kenny Payne. Is there a a threshold to reach to extend or terminate? Or are we so early in the process that those kinds of questions aren't even legitimate? And I think Rick Bozich feels the latter is almost certainly the case. That 
this kind of evaluation is far too premature because this season, the second calendar year on campus, is really Kenny Payne's first season. 437-9680 is our UPS jobs text line. Let's have some fun today. I know you're snowed in. Uh, I drove down here. Kudos, by the way. Shelbyville Road, uh, the highways, great. Good downtown? You nodding for me? How about that? Eh, they weren't too great. That's great. <laughs> they were better the closer I got to here, actually. How about that? Okay, good. There you go. All right. well, I know they're working on it. They are. Uh, 70 pounds of salt on each inch of a uh, road uh, the last couple of days paid off today. So there you go. I hope KP isn't shoveling this, the snow and everything out there because then we won't have clear roads until next year. Well, they're in North Carolina. Um, but Well, maybe he came up by himself. <laughs> That'd be great. He just left North Carolina. I need to be home changing the culture of how people remove snow from the sidewalks. We got to love up the snow. We got to love up the snow banks. When I was a kid, we had snow banks. I feel like the kids don't have snow banks now. <laughs> and it's their fault. These kids so, uh, have no appreciation for snow whatsoever. <laughs> so uh, let's play the Bozich sound. I don't want to misquote anyone because um, that's why I try to read from articles and I try to uh, – I'm reading for the articles, Zach. Uh, I read for the, try to read the articles and I try to hear the sound. Here's Bozich last night. This is on WDRB.com. You can go find his stuff uh, with Eric Crawford. Uh, the two of them obviously been at it forever in this town, uh, have seen a lot more things than I have. So let's just hear uh, straight from uh, the Bozich mouth. You have to keep it in context what he said. CL, uh, who's a friend of ours, framed the question in terms of comparison to Hubert Davis. It's not really a very no. uh, reasonable comparison. Hubert Brown was uh, Hubert Davis was on the staff at North Carolina before he took over with Roy Williams. He took over a team that had Caleb Love, a McDonald's All-American, R.J. Davis, a four or five star recruit who's now probably the best player yeah. in the ACC, Armando Baycott. Kenny Payne didn't have guys like that. He had a lot of guys who he eventually ran off and started over. So I'm probably in the minority. I'm sure I am. But I agree with him. This really is year one for him. Last year, he worked with a lot of guys that that weren't really going to be part of his plan and aren't there anymore. Okay. So let's go to the Hubert Davis part first. And by the way, I'm so used to hearing Hubie that when he said Hubert Brown, I thought, who's Hubert Brown? Because I'm so used to Hubie. Obviously, I know who Hubie Brown is. Been on the show. Good guy. Talking about who they inherited at North Carolina. Can you imagine saying out loud, Zach, as an observer of sport? Well, he had R.J. Davis, who's now, he literally said, who is now one of the best players in the ACC. Anyone get an idea in their head when you say that out loud? He's now, uh, a couple of years later, one of the best players in the ACC. Do you know why that is? Because, number one, he didn't leave North Carolina. Number two, he got coached up at North Carolina. Number three, their scheme is such that he's excelling at North Carolina, where they clearly have a plan. They clearly have an idea of what they're trying to do. And a reminder that last year was a failure of a year for them, and they won 20 games. 20. Kenny Payne will not win that combined in year zero and year one. And frankly, if you pushed me to guess if he'd get to that number after year two, three, whatever we're calling it today, I would say that he is not going to get to that level. The other part is, and I'm reading from Josh Howard. Uh, He's on Twitter, did this work. 
um, and I want to give him credit. He's at JSHWRDUL on Twitter. And he did a good job of pointing out who's who on these rosters that Bozich is talking about. Who was there when those guys arrived, and what does it look like? So we hear a lot about, from Bozich there, how good this team is. By the way, Caleb Love was a five-star. He's out in Arizona, and he is either awesome or terrible. One of the least consistent players in America at a high level. He rides that guy to a national title. He was a five-star. Zach, do you know how many other five-stars they had on the UNC roster at that point? And one of the reasons that Roy Williams ended up retiring? I think he was the only one. He was the only one. When you think North Carolina, remember the other day we were talking about (coughs) favorite players in the NBA that I've had over the years. And I mentioned Vince Carter. Sheed, Tar Heel. Sheed, right? We were talking about all this stuff. And all those, Anton Jameson was there. Like, that's North Carolina basketball. Correct. Does one five-star on the entire roster sound like North Carolina basketball to you? No. Just not to me. At all. They had some zero stars and some three-stars. Five stars. guys on the roster yeah. were zero stars in college. That's right. Coming out of high school. They had three three-stars, nine four-stars. Okay? Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a good starting point. So one five-star, nine four-stars. Kenny Payne had one five-star, seven four-stars. That's right. Now, it needs to be said. Brandon Huntley Hatfield is one of those five. Is the five star on this list? Mm-hmm. And I think, I think, I'd rather have Caleb Love. Yeah. But after the last couple of games, I'm not positive that that's true. I've seen Caleb Love do it in the Final Four, though. I agree. I think that's the difference, right? And yeah. beat Duke in a high yeah, level. Yeah, he hit one of the big biggest stake. shots in Final Absolutely. Four history. Boom. But the average star rating for Kenny Payne year zero was two point seven eight. The average star rating. For North Carolina was 2.77. This is all from Josh Howard mm-hmm. on Twitter. And then they go into, you know, how did the seasons play out and how long were they assistants and this kind of stuff. And the numbers are, are strikingly similar. So here's some other numbers. The Kentucky Wildcats. So Joel Hall is the coach until 1985 and he retires. Eddie Sutton comes in the next season. I'm sure people around here remember they win the SEC. They go 32-4, and four, and they lose in the Elite Eight. The next year, they lose in the first round. And then the next year, of course, they vacate the Sweet 16. And it gets bad around here, right? Eddie Sutton comes back, goes 13-19, and 19, he's fired. And Rick Pitino comes in, goes 14-14 and 14 with one of the memorable teams around here. Now, given Patino's record at Kentucky, boy, he'd love for that to be year zero and have it not count. Oh, sure. Because 14 and 14, by the way, with a bunch of nobodies, and I mean absolute nobodies on that roster, looks like the absolute worst roster he's ever had. Yeah. Now, Reggie Hansen played in the NBA, worth mentioning. Otherwise, that was a um, the old Derek Miller, Darren Feldhouse, John Belfry, Sean Woods, Richie Farmer team, of course. And... I don't know. I feel like he gets credit for taking a team that the year before had been 13-19, and 19, loses a bunch of guys off that team, comes back with a whatever roster, because that's what Bozich claims in this clip. Yeah. A whatever roster. Not a great one. The unforgettable. Immediately goes 14-14. That's yep. exactly right. Before they got mashed burn, they were just an average roster. That's right. Mash, dude. Oh, love that guy. All right, so underrated, wildly underrated. 
Does Rick Pitino get credit for turning the team around that year, going 22-6 and six the next year? Because that's what we're talking about here. There are examples historically at Louisville, but they're from a very long time ago. So a name that, I'm, that all L fans know well is Pat Hickman. And he coached here starting in 1944. And he coached for a long time, had a bunch of very, very good seasons. The year before he got here, the team was 10-10. and 10. He immediately went 16-3, 22-6. Before he got here, they were 10-10, and 7-10, 2-14. Does that mean Peck Hickman doesn't get credit for the first year because they were already trending the right way? Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> no, I think Peck Hickman knows what the hell he's doing. And so 16-3 his first year made all the sense of the world. Rick Bozich, the IU guy. Bobby Knight, his first season. Follows Jerry Oliver's 1969-1970 Big Ten season in which they go 7-17. and Lou Watson comes back, coaches again. They go 17-7. and He steps out of the way. Bob Knight takes the team. They go 17-8. and In five years, they win a title. Do we see Kenny Payne turning this into a title team in five years? <laughs> what? Maybe the NIT or the CBA or what? It, what are the other tournaments? The CBI? I mean, a reminder, too, and I'm this is coming down on the personal bat phone. Rick at Kentucky inherited a team with a two-year tourney ban. Yes. No games on TV. They had a I mean, cover I, I thought Sports I didn't Illustrated. have to say that part out loud, yeah. but that texture's totally right. They had a cover of Sports Illustrated that said <clears throat> the shame of Kentucky as soon as he got there. 14-14. With yeah. bums. With bums. Yeah. Okay. So this is where we are. And I just, moving the goalposts because, and, and I said this in the back, and I'll bring it to air, and I, and I kind of don't care who hears it. There are two ways to do this job. There is the cheerleading way, and there's the observational way. And you can be a very successful cheerleader for a very long time and make a lot of money and do a good job. There's a show on right now on a different network where that's what they do. And it's a buddy show, and ha, 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 it's great. Go ahead, and if you want that, if you want cheerleading, that is available in other places. But I've never understood this one. This is one that's a little harder for me. To put together is a guy with a long reputation as a newspaper journalist, as a columnist, as a writer. And now we're seeing it again with the next guy at the CJ as well. And so, Zach, I don't know if it's people fall in love with access Mm -hmm. or they fall in love with being in the group. You know, I have saved on my phone when Kenny landed at Bowman Field. Bozich was there to give him a hug. Yeah. And. At some point in this job, you may watch or listen to someone that's like you. They're a fan. And the critical thinking just isn't there. Yeah. And oh, I critical I am positive. Here. I am positive I've done it at some point in my career that I haven't been as harsh on a horse racing trainer or something because I like them, whatever. This kind of stuff. But this is a level at which we're at a point where people are choosing people over institutions and over institutional programs. And that's what's happening with Louisville basketball right now. Yep. If you are defending Kenny Payne and, and moving goalposts, by the way, this isn't moving a goalpost. This is, this is choosing a new stadium. <laughs> this is trampling right? over the goalposts. It, it, like literally it, you cannot move the goalposts in this scenario because frankly, we're, we're talking about a change of venue altogether. We're talking about moving away from a reasonable conversation about this. Because in no way can you watch that 
and see what's happening and go, oh, well, you know what? Okay, last year. Because even Issel, before he quit, last year he told me all year, I can't tell if Kenny can coach or not. The team stinks. Okay. But you know what Dan did this year? He watched them lose to Kentucky Wesleyan. And not lose, get punked. Yeah. Without their top two players. Yep. To a D2 team. And then I had to hear from people that Kentucky Wesleyan's won a lot, a lot of national titles. Yeah, when I was six. I have four kids now. We don't have to do that anymore. It's okay. We don't have to do that anymore. And by the way, you're a Louisville basketball. If the D2 national champion comes in every preseason, you should still win the game. By Conversation 20. over. You should win it every year. Yeah. Every single one. So you don't have to make these things up. You don't have to do that. And I'm not at all sure why people that I, I, I don't, I mean, he's not a colleague, but someone that I know is in this yeah, would do that. And it's a weird thing. And the last thing I'll ask is, In 2022, did you believe in 2023 that what Scott Satterfield was doing was working and that that program was going in the right direction? And the overwhelming answer for people around here was no. You knew what you were getting. You were getting seven, eight wins. You were getting an organized team, but you weren't getting a passionate team. You weren't getting a a set-your-hair-on-fire team. And then Jeff Brom gets here, has to overhaul the roster, immediately goes to the ACC championship game, and beats Notre Dame on his home field. That was year zero for Jeff Brom. How about that? It never happened. No. Are we going to say that? Because that's obviously ridiculous. Of course. It's obviously ridiculous. And I would like to think that we are we're better as observers than to do what's happening right now. You but I'm like very concerned that we're not. And, and there is a real concern in caring about access more than caring about telling the truth. This happens more places than you think. I'm sure that's true. I'm sure every coach that I know of has a mouthpiece, whether it's for their local newspaper, whether it's for the television station around town. Ohio State football and basketball coaches I know have certain people that, you know, kiss their you-know-what. Sure. And I mean, yep. part of it's because they win, but there are people that are not critical whatsoever. Like, I'm not one of them. I will be critical if— they go out, and you've heard me, after they lost to Michigan, after they lost to Missouri, oh, yeah, sure. I came out and blasted them. Sure. Deservedly so. Sure. But, but if you were in Columbus, that's harder to do. I would still do it. Yeah, it's harder to do, though, right? I, it is. And it's and You're there right. is and But here's what's interesting is sometimes that's based on not wanting to get fan kickback. Because if you say something negative about their team, they get upset. Yes. That's not what's Very happening so. right now. No. People know that this is an unacceptable level for what UofL basketball has been, is capable of being, etc. I, I let's. I mean, not for nothing. Let's remember that Mike Woodson was the hire at Indiana. Mm-hmm. It does not take long for these jobs to become so undesirable that you need to go hire a guy who needs one last check before he retires, who happens to be an alum. At some point, that stuff doesn't work. It's a desperation move. And so, again, you <laughs> the slope gets slipper, very, very slippery, and even more slippery when you have conversations like this, when you lower a standard so far that you, you're not even allowed to talk about it. What is the standard? That's what I want to ask these people. What's your standard now? Is it 
show up and play hard every game? Is it show effort? Like, this is a program that is a top 10 college basketball program of all time, number six, according to the AP rankings, and we're treating them like it's a little league product. Like, can we get back to having standards for this program? There were times that if they lost by 17 to North Carolina, everybody's getting fired. Fire Patino, fire the entire Zach, staff. Zach, they suggested 20 and 13 was the end of the world for Hubert Davis. I want Absolutely. people to understand what the difference that just just wrap your brain around that for five seconds. The difference in standard for Hubert Davis than for Kenny Payne. Let's set aside what the programs are. Yeah. What people think of Hubert Davis, they think a thousand times more than they think of Kenny Payne. Uh, this is also, by the way, this is what is the word that I want to use? I need to be very careful. I mean, this is this is almost when you do this this way. It's a head pat in a very huh, – I, boy, I need, I'm need. i really struggling because I have a word stuck in my head that I cannot say in the air. But when you head pat someone like this, you don't respect them. No. There is You're no, doing it out of pity. There is no respect in saying on television, well, that was year zero, it doesn't count. Mm-hmm. When you take an entire year of a man's life and you say it doesn't matter. That is that is <laughs> that is pushing someone so below you yep. that it may never you may never be able to go get them again. That's disrespect. I think it's very disrespectful, frankly. Hey, if you're snowed in, check out all the options for lunch with our friends at Barnos. We want to thank George and the Barnos team. They are bringing lunch by the ESPN Louisville Studios. How about that? Uh, appreciate them very much. Got you covered for everything this weekend. Your spot before and after everything downtown at the Yum Center. Check them out. Barano's on Market. They are open. 301 West Market. They're just a block from the KFC Yum Center. So right there, right next to the KICC, that Kentucky International Convention Center. Uh, reminder, hey, Frozen at the Kentucky Center is going on BroadwayandLouisville.com. You can register to win to see Frozen on Wednesday, January 31st. 2024 at any neighborhood Barano's location. Yeah, it's that good. It's Barano's Pizza. Thank them for hanging out with us today. Uh, on the other end, I, I want to talk about the two games tomorrow. So we'll do X's and O's next here. ESPN 680-1057. Taking care of your family isn't always easy. So we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. ESPN 680-1057. Now, here's Louis Rebeau. Ah, snowed edition of Rebeau and Co. Louis Rebeau at Radio Louis on Twitter. Station at ESPN 680 at your boy ZC for Zach Cantrell's glorious Twitter feed uh, over there on the X machine. 
Uh, reminder tonight, Louisville Hockey. They're playing Kentucky. I will be in the house for that one. Zach will be out bar hopping with his buddies. Uh, that'll start on, at 7.30 on 93.9. You can hear a slightly intoxicated Nick Valvano uh, called that one. Um, and, of course, uh, thanks to our friends at Vanos. Bringing lunch by the ESPN Louisville studio. Puck drop is at 8 o'clock over there at Iceland today. I'll be in the bougie uh, VIP section. Of course you will. Which at Iceland, I think, means uh, I get to be inside. Yeah. Sounds about right. <laughs> So there you go. How about that? All right. Well, um, huh, all right. So, uh, look, a couple games this weekend, uh, Georgia and Kentucky. And uh, Ben Roberts, by the way, has a, a couple of really great pieces. I really – I love Ben. He's fantastic for this show. He really is. And, and that is the most downloaded segment of the week. I really appreciate him jumping on. I wish he would also kind of tell us what he's working on. Or is that my fault for not asking? I think you should start asking. Damn it. It is my fault. Okay, all right. Where Louis was wrong. I, um, <laughs> that is shame. <laughs> that is shame. <laughs> I do need that as a drop. Can we just have that every time Bozic starts talking about <laughs> KP? Ryakovich is just like, that is shame. That is shame. <laughs> um, Reed Shepard, but essentially they they went through, they did a deep dive into his metrics, okay? And and this would be the kind of thing I'd love to do with this. I'll just make him read the metrics. <laughs> and it is I do the whole thing and then you go, Well, yeah, I watch the games. I know he's good. You know, it's kind of that, whatever. <laughs> and I think um you know, so they uh, a guy calls in this is a cool show here, a good uh, a good uh, anecdote here. Guy calls into John Calipari's weekly radio show this month and said, Hey, uh, why isn't uh why isn't Richie starting anymore? And I go, Well, Richie's not on the team anymore. I'm at Reed Shepard. <laughs> I knew who you meant. And so this is, look, this is one of the headlines going forward with this team is how do, how do you maximize the minutes for these players so that they are the very best that they can be, mm-hmm. okay? So they want to use a, you know, some kind of measure where you, you throw everybody's stats in the same thing. It's called the BPR, by the way, the Bayesian uh, Performance Rating. You ever take a Bayesian uh, mathematics class? No, I no? did not. Okay, how about that? Uh, so it's... Evan Maya is the guy, evanmaya.com, M-I-Y-A, evanmaya.com. Um, and he uh, goes ahead and ranks players based on uh, several things. So it's an on a per-possession basis, which is what basketball's largely gone to, Zach, right? Is how much can you score every time that you have the ball, right? And so um, obviously the goal is uh, two to three points a uh, possession. What a concept. Right, uh, what a, right no kidding. Uh, and so uh, those, those sorts of measures, okay? So if a, a player's team outscores the opponent, uh, Ben writes, 55 to 50 while he's on the floor, that player would get a plus five for the game. Um, And so that's just simple plus minus. And then they also put on it um, the BPR numbers based on offensive and defensive numbers. Reed Shepard's BPR, according to this, doesn't just have him as the best freshman in the country. It has him in the top five players in college basketball. Okay. (laughs) And 33 spots ahead of Stephen Castle, who is the um, Stefan? Excuse me, Stefan Castle uh, at, at UConn. Who is I? It's him. The guys at Kentucky, uh, Jacoby Walter at Baylor, and um, uh, uh, KJ Lewis at Arizona that I think are like the the top of this class as far as as freshmen. Yeah, uh, Cadeau is starting to get some run in North Carolina, that right. kind of stuff. But he's behind other guards. He's going to get less run. Yeah, he's not there yet. Right. But essentially, Reed Shepard is something like 40% better than everyone else on this list. <laughs> and so it does beg the question. Are those numbers great because of how much he's playing and how fresh he can be? 
or do they need to play him more and hope that the numbers, even if they're not as good, let's say he's not a top five player. Let's say he's a top 15 player, but he plays a lot more. Does the quantity outweigh the quality? And I have great news for everyone. I have no idea. (laughs) I wish I wasn't doing bad sports talk radio because I don't know the answer to this because I think you started, you have started to see recently, especially Cal playing with the lineups a little more. Now he did it less at A&M because they needed to come back. But last game, I thought they played with the lineups a lot, frankly. Mm -hmm. And it'll be interesting to watch because I'd love to see these numbers when he's on the court with Dillingham or if he's on the court with DJ or if he's on the court with Aaron, whatever it might be, as far as his numbers and how he performs when those things are going on. To give you an idea, um, UK is outscoring opponents by 26.2 points per 100 possessions when Mitchell is on the court in general. Dude, that's insane. Okay, that's insane because that guy doesn't get off the court. <laughs> no. He played, what, 44 minutes the other day? Yeah. I. It's unbelievable. Antonio Reeves in that class two. Dillingham uh, next. Shepard is up at 40. So the lower the number, the better. 26.2 uh, points per 100 possessions is just an insane number. So um, it, it is It is really, really remarkable. So, yeah, no, they go through this. But essentially, as far as the data is concerned, Reed Shepard does everything right. The other part that's interesting, Zach, is you could just watch with your own eyeballs and see that he's doing everything right, right? That's sort of interesting. Now, low block defense, other things that we talked about, stuff that are there holes in his game? Yes, he's an 18-year-old freshman, right? Sometimes you just have to take the good with the bad. In his case, the good obviously far outweighs the bad. But the question is, do you need to play him more? And I, do you need to start him, et cetera? And we talked about this, and I, you know, I've gotten texts from from buddies, especially who have seen more games in person this season than I have, who essentially say, "Edwards, I get it. You look at the numbers, you watch on TV. It is what it is. In person, he's considerably better." I spent a lot of last game watching Edwards, by the way, isoing my eyes on how he plays, and I understand now what people are telling me, which is, he's making the right initial choices on the court. It's the best way, decisions, if you will. It's just he's not hitting shots and or the ball's just not getting back to him, etc. Yeah. So if he's the fourth option or something on the court, that's not the end of the world when the first three options are very good. Mm-hmm. Essentially is the, is the case there. That's right. But I do wonder, man, you know, because they say, quote, uh, it's kind of doing Shepard a disservice because we all knew Chet Holmgren was going to be amazing. So I don't know if I have a player in my database going back 10 plus years who has not been hyped to that level and ended up being like a top 10 player in the sport in terms of on-court value. I don't think we've ever seen a player, at least in recent memory, who's been a freshman, who's been outside the top 30 or 40, who has this quickly become the most valuable freshman in the sport, and that's Reed Shepard. So after thinking about this a bit this morning, after reading this article, I I came to a, a, a solid conclusion that, like all Cal teams, this is just going to work itself out. But because it's Calipari and there is stubbornness there, he's not changing that starting lineup. He's just not going to. And Roberts has been on this air, and you know, obviously this is his article there at Kentucky.com. Roberts talks about, hey, don't mess with with good enough, essentially, right? And and this is it's a it's a slippery slope. It's a weird spot for Kentucky basketball in that they need to get better if they're going to make a deep run. They're good right now, for sure. They are a very good team. 
But if they want to be great, if they want to make that kind of run with how they play, it is very clear they need to be better in very specific aspects of the game, namely rebounding and on defense, low block defense, and probably closing out on threes. But I think the closing out on three thing, I think there's a reason we haven't talked about that a lot is because I think in general in college basketball this year, there's a problem with it. And I don't know why that is. I was watching a game last night. I was watching Minnesota-Michigan State. No one closes out on threes. No. It's a very strange. It's an epidemic. Well, there almost seems to be amongst coaches, like, just don't follow a three-point shooter. Like, that's, like, the rule number one, don't follow a three-point shooter. Yeah. Like, number <laughs> rule one, well, rule zero. Rule so zero. Rule zero. Rule zero. Don't follow three-point shooters. Rule one, uh, go to class, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's going to class is, like, rule seven or eight. There's a Fair lot enough. of other things you got to worry about first. Were you aware of Louisville football when, when Charlie Strong put his rules of life on the wall? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, oh, who was the transfer running back he brought in that uh, like had like thrown a woman on a bed of guns uh, from Auburn? Oh, man, what was his oh, name? Oh, Michael Dyer. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, no guns in the locker room. No guns he's in like, the locker room. Michael Dyer's going to be on the team. <laughs> yeah. Charlie, dude. Oh, that guy could coach, man. Yeah, he could. God, those, could those two years are... Oh. Teddy Bridgewater. Dude, the way he coached up front seven defensive players. Yeah. They kicked the crap out of Florida and Miami in back to back bowl so, games. They were so, yeah. Those teams were so fun. You remember what their only loss was in 13? They went 12, oh. one, didn't play in a major bowl game. Lost in 2013. I'm sorry. No, I, top of my head. No, I'm sorry. I'm they lost at basketball to stats. UCF. Played oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Bortles came here and had a drive with like 10 seconds left. It is what game. it is. Yep. That's what made Blake Bortles. Michigan State was really good, and then they ran into Matt Ryan at Boston College one year. It just you know, it is what it is. Oh that's yeah, why that's right. Running to, just running to well, Michigan State's good a lot of years, and then they run into like said just insert yeah. Ohio State NFL quarterback right. or Michigan NFL quarterback or Drew Brees or something. Drew Brees. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I remember running into Drew Brees. Like beat Drew Brees the senior. Yeah, wasn't uh, Saban undefeated or whatever, and then Brees beat him like fifty-two to twenty something. That sounds right. Fifty-two twenty-four something like that. Twenty-eight maybe. Um, but I just thought this was fascinating. And these are the kinds of articles that I, I this is why you get. Because, frankly, what I'm told The Athletic does is this. And Ben actually does it. Yeah. So there you go. That, that's I, I have an Athletic uh, subscription, but really, uh, you've been watching the show sheet. I have, I've moved away largely from, uh, from Athletic stuff. Uh, I'm sure we'll get back into it. Right as it. soon as I got one, by the way. No, no. But you know what they're going to be really good for is when we get to draft season. They're really good for that. Yeah. So we'll get back into that. Sam Vicente on the basketball side. Um, on the football side, they've got like four or five guys that are really good. So we'll get back into it for that. But uh, luckily, that was like an $8 um, life decision for you. So you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll live. That's a couple of beers. <laughs> but since it's Reed Shepard's year zero at UK, mm-hmm. no one gets credit for him being good, right? Of course not. Okay, just making sure. No one gets okay. credit for any of them being good. Dillingham's not great. No, no, Nobody gets credit. They host Georgia tomorrow um, in a game that they should win. Uh, it looks, frankly, a lot like uh, their last game. And yeah. So uh, this is the kind of game where, um, you know, like they did against Mississippi State, I think you see a big lead. I think you see Georgia make a comeback. Uh, someone has a game that they shouldn't have. And then we move on with our lives uh, that way. Georgia, by the way, just won at South Carolina, lost at home to Tennessee by six, beat Arkansas, won at Mizzou. Uh, before that, so they are three and one in the conference. I'm not saying tomorrow's a pushover. No. I'm just saying Kentucky's better. They're at home. They should win the game. 
That's it should be a no headlines game. It should be a no headlines game. Let's take a break now. We'll get Kevin Kilroy in here next. Um, what else do I need to remind you of? Uh, speaking of Kentucky basketball, we will have the postgame show for you tomorrow. They play at 6 o'clock. So sometime around 8.15, 8.30, you'll get Zach Antrell, Mike Gandolfo, Jason Entz on that Kentucky Fights from Wildlife postgame show. Twitter space tomorrow, yes? Okay, so you got to be on Twitter. Check us out at ESPN 680 or on the YouTube feed for ESPN Louisville Plus. Just we got all the NFL games. We're not taking NFL playoffs off the air to run Zach C talking BBN. We're not doing that, people. It's just not happening. Uh, so make sure you turn into that. And, of course, our friends at Kentucky Fish and Wildlife want to remind you to check out the 2024 Elk Draw on their website today. Go check them out. Other side, we'll talk to Kevin Kilroy down at the fairgrounds. Is it snowing there? We find out next. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. You are listening to Rabo and Co. here on ESPN 680-1057. Now, here's Louis Rabo. All right, welcome back in. Rabo and Co. here, ESPN 680-1057, alongside Zach Cantrell, Louis Rabo, hanging out with you. We are your home for Ravens here in Louisville. Uh, back home Sunday, they're hosting the Texans in the divisional round at 4.30, pregame at 4 on 93.9, presented by our friends at Liquor Barn, where Kentuckians go to celebrate life. Uh, a man who I've watched uh, drink tequila before joins us now. His name is, uh, look, it's Kevin Kilroy. I trust your luck on Twitter. Uh, a mainstay here for us uh, who are so lucky to talk to this man about once a month on the Derby Trail. Happy LeCompte weekend, my friend. How are you, Kevin? Doing good, Louie. Wish I was drinking tequila. But, uh, <laughs> it's busy working. A little tequila on a Friday. How about that? All right. So, um, look, man, uh, weather issues up here. Obviously, we're not running at Turfway today or tomorrow. And after the morning we've had here, I've uh, determined that was a very good decision. Uh, how was the weather down there in New Orleans? It's good. You know, it's sunny. It's windy. We had some rain come through yesterday, and it knocked us off the turf for a couple races. But uh looks like we're on the turf today. Oh, nice. It's just going to be sunny but cold tomorrow. So everything's a little bit chilly but uh, but beautiful for uh, for good racing. All right. So you need to clarify something for me because I am uh, I'm bad at the terminology of, of pick five pools. So I need help. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. So you send me. Uh, I'm on your email list for all of the – Press releases at Fairgrounds. I like to read those. You do a nice job. Thank you. Uh, I saw the words seeded for pick five, and I saw the words guaranteed for pick five. What kind of pick five do we have tomorrow? We've got an all-stakes pick five going from races 10 through 13, right? Or sorry, 9 through 13. 9 through 13. 13. Yeah, math. how about that? Yep. There's my math. And it's uh, yeah, guaranteed $250,000 in the pool. So no matter what, even if they don't bet, 
$250,000 in is there. It's there for sure. And uh, you know how these things work out. It always goes Way above over, that yeah. number. So, that okay. yeah, that money is there and uh, ready to roll. Um, it's Yeah, it, it's great. I love it when they do that. It just seems like a, a no-brainer to me. You know, the, the yep. money always meets it and uh, just gets the attention. And with racing canceled across the country at yeah, different right. spots, I think – I think they're going to be betting it, you know, and that's a good time to, to take a swing for sure. A reminder, the best rates, uh, best takeout rates down at Fairgrounds are for win play show bets. Daily doubles exact as the pick five. And they have a, a traditional pick six, $1, uh, no rollover, no jackpot on that one. Uh, really, really good opportunity down there tomorrow as well. Kevin Kilroy with us at Trust Your Luck. Let's start on the ladies' uh, side of things. In that silver bullet day, it's the second leg of that pick five race, 10 tomorrow, mile 70 yards on the dirt, 150K in there. Obviously, three-year-old Phillies. Look, West Omaha is going to be considered the class of this group here. Who do you think's got the best shot uh, to take her uh, take her down tomorrow? Ah, the best shot to take her down. She is my top pick in there. Sure. She is my top pick in there, um, as uh, as she will be for most people. I would say, I would say uh, Sistina Chapel. Here's okay. my here's my case for Sistina Chapel. She's a uh, you know she's a Philly who you, you might sort of glance at her at her running lines to think that she's a closer, but uh, she can rate. She can be up a little bit closer to it, and things could heat up so she could get that sort of first run as uh, as they're tiring out there. And she had a sneaky bad trip last time. It's not really in the uh, um, in the full notes, but. Um, Alpine Princess was, was causing some, some trouble, really trying to battle through on the rail, and it squeezed Cecina Chapel out of that, that, that forward position, that lane, and really caused her to, to be coming from the back. And, you know, she also had a little bit of a, of a maybe a loof moment before the far turn where she lost the length, and she ran well up the rail, uh, finished uh, five lengths behind Alpine Princess there, I think just a couple less than that behind West Omaha. She's shown up every time. Um, she could be interesting. What do you think about Cecina? I think she's interesting. I think I would lean more toward an absolute wild card in this field, which is Miss Code West. Uh, coming yeah. out of the Remington circuit, does beat open company, non-state bred company, I should say, in the trapeze last out. But it was in the mud, right? So if we're gonna if we're gonna take a swing, if we're gonna try to hit something, because I think nine to two morning line is probably about right. I think she ends up probably closer to five to one. And so, yeah, if I'm looking so. at a value there, that might be who I lean on uh, on Saturday in the uh, Silver Yeah, Bowl they game. might let her go, right? They That's might right. just let her go. Yep. Um, it just depends. I think what uh, if, if play good, pay good draws in, or draws in, I should say, runs in this spot. Uh, she's entered in, in three different races between today and it uh, looks like she's, she was an MTO today. So she's either in two spots tomorrow. We'll see where she shows up. But uh, she might be interested in the lead as well as uh, my race girl. Yeah, uh, perfect shot as well. The one horse in here, daughter of Gunrunner, took her three times to break that maiden, but sometimes the breeding just comes through. They put her on two turns. She loves it, so who knows? Maybe she's another one uh, that likes the track tomorrow. Uh, before we get to the LeCompte man, uh, something we talk a lot about in horse racing, and, and it, I think it's lamented by many people, is the, the lack of good older dirt route races, right? Uh, especially on the male side. We seem to get you know, uh, Phillies that run as mayors and, and we see them over and over. We get the Malathats of the world, the Clarieres, what have you. We don't really get that on the guy side too often, obviously, for the breeding reasons. We got a nice little Louisiana there tomorrow, man, between Saudi Crown, Smile Happy, Red Route 1. I think Five Star General's a really interesting horse in there. Obviously, you've got uh, some other horses that have had great runs down there as well, uh, especially in like a Happy American. If he jumps, if he runs his best race, he can win. Yep. I, I think this, I, I'm hoping... I'm, I'm hopeful. How about that? I'm a hopeful guy. I'm hopeful that this starts a long year of good dirt route races uh, in North America. Who are you looking at in this one tomorrow? This is race 12. 
Yeah, weren't, didn't you just love the, the, these entries when you saw I did. It, when I you did. saw it pop up? Yep. I mean, it's it's fantastic. Now, um, I, Smile Happy. I mean, have you have you heard the scoop on Smile Happy? Where he's been and all that sort of stuff. I have not. He, um, he if you remember that uh, that Ellis Park Stephen Foster yep. that uh, you know Stephen Foster ran at Ellis Park in July. He just wouldn't load. Remember they took him. I think it was. I do remember that. So. Yeah. He was just sitting on the track, and they were just staring at him. It's like, smile happy, come on, get in the gate. So I was talking to, to McPeak, and he was saying just, you know, that, that spring at Oakland, he really started to uh, to show some antics. Like, he wouldn't train going the right direction around the track. Oh. He would train going the wrong direction around the track. <laughs> um, and he's been, he's been uh, he's such an alpha, right? He just has to have it his own way. He's got such a, a stubborn mind. And so he's had him down, and McPeak's got a facility down in Ocala, and he's been, he had him there doing a routine, loading the gates, um, got a little paddock there, all that sort of stuff. And um, he, he thinks he's, he's ready to roll, you know, but he's got a little trepidation because he just doesn't know what sets him off and what's, what, what causes him to be yeah. uh, angry, to be smile angry, right? <laughs> but um, angry happy. if smile happy is happy, um, that Ali Sheba was the most impressive um, older male route effort that i saw last year wow, okay. um, t- i talked to brian after that right when he came off the track and he's like yeah he, he just put me mm-hmm. right behind westwell power and pressured him every step of the way and just you know pulled away from that nice field our collector came with his best run so if small happy runs his best he's he's the guy in here he's the guy saudi crown i have a little bit of a question about okay. in terms of getting two turns um and one yep. time we saw him get two turns um with the win was in the slop and then um, you know that you know that infamous Jim Dandy, um, of course, <laughs> and, and he's going towards that one turn Saudi Cup. So a little bit of a little bit of question marks there. I mean, he, he's going to be ready to roll, no doubt about it, right? He's got some other speed signed on him here, so I'm going to lean towards Smile Happy in this spot. Uh, Five star general has won his last two, or excuse me, won his last one, the Tenacious, which is, I don't want to call it a prep for this race, but essentially it's the prep for this race. Before that, did run a good uh, Delta mile. I think he um, just ran out of gas a little bit in that one, but came back at a mile and a 16 just fine at Fairgrounds, has been stabled there uh, ever since. Does he have a shot tomorrow? He definitely does. He doesn't quit, you know, and that that was a great Delta Downs mile. It really Touch was. upon a star to run race. with all these horses. He's a, he's a lawbred. But he's uh, he's as good as we've seen, you know. Owned by uh, by Jake DeLong, Set Hut. Um, so a little football connection there. <laughs> you got to look out for a that? star. But uh, yeah, he he's game. He's game, hundred percent. And uh, it's a classic Grant Forrester, older dirt route uh, speedster who doesn't quit. What happens if Confidence Game doesn't run a good race here? I mean. Keith is, is, is trying to figure this guy out. Yeah. He wants to get him to relax. He wants to get him to come from off of it, right? And you, you see he's switching up, getting Corey on there. Um, and maybe that's going to change something. I don't know. You know, um, He's definitely talented and Keith yes. believes he's going to be an, a, a great older horse. When he does click into place, you want to be there for it. You want to be on the, uh, the value side of it. Um, somehow he was bet down to the favorite last time in the Tenacious. That was, that was pretty odd. Um, but uh, if he doesn't run well here, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I don't know what Keith will do. Maybe he'll try him on a different surface or, yeah. or sprint. Who, who knows? Yeah, he ends up being a great turf sprinter. Kevin Kilroy with us. <laughs> I trust you like he's down there at Fairgrounds. At Fairgrounds NOLA, by the way. On Twitter, you can find all their stuff, too. All their promotions, all the carryovers, whatever it might be. All that available right on Twitter, nice and easy. Uh, you can always find Kevin's stuff as well at Twinspires.com. Uh, all right, so in the LeCompte tomorrow, and we've got a trio of 
of Cox Horses, of course. Um, with the cancellation at Turfway, I assume Awesome Road made the trip. Is that true? Oh, it's a uh, Awesome Road. The last scoop that I heard was he was either going to run at Turfway or there's a, a turf. Um, oh Lord, okay. coming up. Okay, <laughs> that he was maybe pointing to at Sam Houston. That doesn't quite sound right, but that was that's what I was hearing. Um, I don't think he is is running here, but. Okay. Um, Cox always keeps me on my toes, so <laughs> um, I, I'm not positive. But um, right, I, people in the Cox there. barn listen to this show, so if you're listening right now, four three seven nine six eighty, text me. Let me know what he's doing tomorrow. Go ahead, <laughs> Texas. Let us know, <laughs> please. Let us, let, let no, they know. do. They listen. They they text me once in a while. Like, no, no, he's not doing that. So get in here if you can. Yeah, please. We need it. Yeah. We need the scoop. Um, <laughs> Nash Nash is my top pick in here. Okay. I'm gonna go back to to him. Um, I think he just had major excuses last time. He um, broke a little bit slow and um, really went slow through that first quarter while they were going fast. And then he tried to play catch-up. He ran a sub-23 second quarter. Um, and still he, he had track Bantam lined up in his targets at the top of the stretch. But at the same time he was going to make a bid, Sneed came to his outside. And he had that, that tough situation where he's got a horse coming to his outside with full of run and he's trying to to target the one in front of him and he, you could see his brain just kind of goes on fritz a little bit um and it was it was a learning moment for him so i think he's going to move forward from that effort and i don't think there's going to be any value i don't think we're going to get anywhere close to five to two um but i'm going to go back to the uh to the chalk well with nash i mean track Phantom will be right there too i think they'll probably be about the same price I like Ethan Energy here coming out of the maiden win down there at the fairgrounds. They pick up Luis Sias for the mount here. I think that can only be a positive, frankly. Uh, I, yeah. I looked it up with Cox, the best combination that he has anywhere in North America with a jockey is with Luis Sias, interestingly enough. But um, I, I love a horse at this time of year coming out of that kind of race where you're going to get you know, a horse that – you know. The lights went on, essentially. If you watch that race with Ethan Energy, watch it. I'm sure you were there. Um, the lights just went on for that horse. Um, and so I'm interested to see if he can follow back, a little like Jin Jin did in the Busanda last week uh, at uh, Aqueduct uh, for Brad Cox. I'm interested to see if Ethan Energy can run it back tomorrow. Is he talented enough to take on a horse like Nash? He's obviously going to be closing uh, for this one. But is he talented enough to do that tomorrow? Yeah, he absolutely is. Okay. He absolutely is. He's talented enough. He should have, he should have a great year. Um my question about him is just watching that race. Flo really had to ask him from about the 516th pull on. He was really working on him. And, you know, I mean, I think, he, I think for me, maybe that was, that was a big effort for him. You know, and I'm not sure he'll be able to run back to it. Now, that might not be the case, right? These, these three-year-olds, they, they keep on taking leaps and bounds um, in the morning. And, and Sia is up. That is, is definitely a positive signal. Um, in terms that he wants to come in town, I think this is the horse that he's in town to ride. You know, he's got a lot of live mounts on a day, but I think this is the one. Um, if they heat up, he'll be coming. He doesn't have a lot of natural speed out of the gates, right. but uh, he'll be coming late. And uh, and yeah, he he won impressively on a day where forward efforts were really uh, were really um, favored on the track. So that was uh, doubly impressive that he was able to do it from off the pace. Can Group is in here, coming out of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. And this is the time of year where you find out if your three-year-old should be on the Derby Trail or not, right? So uh, this is this is me not at all being critical of Mark Cassie. Do you give him much of a shot under Jareth Loveberry tomorrow? He's the wild card, right? I, it's I hard to figure out because he was awesome yeah. at Santa Anita. That's right, yes. He was. He was. I mean, that unquestionable, the mountain bear, those, those Aiden O'Brien horses were so good. And my boy Prince is stablemate. 
so good. He's got a big late kick. He's going to look for a similar trip uh, to Ethan Energy, maybe yep, you know, right. be behind him, you know, in the running order early. Um, if he likes the dirt, yeah. I mean, but good to me. I, I don't. I don't necessarily see it um, in terms of the pedigree. But Cassie's won this twice. He won it with, yeah, right. with War of Will and uh, Enforceable two years in a row. Um, so he, he knows how to target this race. Um, he, he's the wild card for sure. He's the he's the call me midnight if, if we've got one in here who could do it at a price. I did not ask you about the ninth race, the uh, the Krantz Memorial, and I did not ask you about the eleventh race, uh, the Colonel Bradley. Is there a horse in either of those races that you love that might be at a longer price? Yeah, um, in the uh, in the Krantz, trying my heart out, the number two. Okay, that's my top pick in there. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, I think you, people are going to sleep on her because it was in the slop last time. Sure. But just watching her move in the morning since she's so relaxed and so fast. And uh, talking to, to Wilson, he's excited to see um, see her back on the turf. Um, great pedigree, $400,000 purchase. Yeah. And uh, I think they're going to sleep on, on her. Um, it's, it's a good fit field, though. And I think the, um, you know, if uh, Brigadier General, that uh, Dallas Stewart entry, is just like a, an MTO entry, basically, waiting for it to scratch off. Um, then it's it's a uh, strong qualities race to lose. Um, but but if Brigadier General's in there, I think that's going to make things tough on strong quality. And I, I've got English Tavern. I think um, uh, he ran a really good race last time for Michelle Lovell, Protonic Power, Duke of Carthania, also some sneaky price horses. Like that. Um, I have to ask, Jose Andres Guerrero is the leading rider right now at Turf or at uh, at yep. Fairgrounds, right? Yep. You, Nobody you, saw that coming. Okay, I was going to ask. How out? How out of the ordinary is that? And and obviously, if he's riding this well right now, and he's on a twenty to one horse, that's one that you have to pay attention to. I totally understand that. But you know, and, and I'm not picking on you at all. I want to be very clear. Uh, but you know, the, the, no, the Ben <laughs> Curtis releases and these kinds of things ahead of the uh, ahead of the meet. Obviously, you look at like a you know Brian Hernandez or a you know a, a Florent Giroux or whatever or Jimmy Graham, etc. Like as your obvious top five sort of riders for this meet. I mean, how out of out of it is is this? I I'm sorry, I I really didn't know anything about Jose Andres Guerrero before this meet. I so, really didn't. So all of all of his wins have been for Shane Wilson, got it, leading trainer, and he he had a I think a broken collarbone last year, so he wasn't with Wilson at the fairgrounds meet um, until a couple races there at the end. But he's been his go-to guy for a few years now, and they work really really well together they they game plan they they take they they're they're working their butts off okay. you know and and well, he's got the horses he's got a he's got you know a hundred head um that he's and he's got owners who, who trust him to put him in the spots so they're, they're getting there they're getting theirs and they're, they're still offering value in different spots and he's riding well you know he's He's confident, and his confidence has obviously just grown uh, every week. So Guerrero's getting it done, um, and um, and they, they know what they're doing out there. So so don't don't sleep on on him. And speaking of, um, I'm going to give a, y'all a, a win. There we go. Race number five, number six, Funny Flame. Same same trainer jockey combination we're talking about. To put the blinkers on Funny Flame, he's run so well, gotten past um, both the horses that ended up beating him in the last two, but then just uh, gets lost as soon as he does. So the blinkers are going to go on. I think it's going to help him see out his, his late run. And uh, Funny Flame's uh, a good one to uh, to bet, I think, uh, to put your money behind. Funny Flame, the sixth horse in race five tomorrow at Fairgrounds, Fairgrounds excuse me, starts that middle 
pick five as well. So maybe a chance to shorten up your tickets uh, with that Guerrero-Wilson combination. His name is Kevin Kilroy at Trust Your Luck on Twitter. Find all his stuff on Twitter. Inspires. Anything else we need to know, Kevin, going into the weekend? Um, just to trust your luck. That's all you got to do. <laughs> there Jeez. it is. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you very much. I'm sure we will talk to you uh, in a couple weeks. And, uh, I mean, good God, man. I mean, we're already, like, way less, like three and a half months from Derby. What are we doing? It's on. It's on. It is right? on. Let's go. All right, Kevin, appreciate <laughs> you, buddy. Good talking to you, Louie. All right, see you, man. There you go. Kevin, go. Down there, Fairgrounds. Appreciate all the folks over uh, over there. Him and Joey K. Um, it's about as fun a track feed as you're going to get in the United States. Those two guys, they do a great job. Um, and frankly, both of them are very good handicappers as well. So you're not getting BS picks on the screen with those two guys. Uh, they're very, very good at what they do. A reminder to Louisville basketball, like we mentioned, uh, on the road, noon, uh, tomorrow at Wake Forest. Alex White Network coverage will start at 1030. Taylor Lynch will have you after the game for the Coors Light postgame show. He will be shirtless. And so you can uh, do the mental gymnastics of hanging out with a shirtless Taylor Lynch. On the other end, we start doing our NFL talk, and uh, Zach's got a stupid horse racing question. We do it next here at ESPN 680, 105.7.